Hello, hello, and welcome everybody back for another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast with your host, truly, Evan Cormick. And today we're going to dive into the final two episodes of The Mandalorian. Didn't get a podcast episode out last week because I was dealing with the migraine and sort of sickness, um, so I didn't feel like making the trek down to the Hillman Library to record my podcast. However, before we get into The Mandalorian, uh, last week's episode and the season finale that aired last night. I will say spoilers ahead. Um, I'm just going to kind of go all in right from the get-go. So if you haven't seen the last two episodes of Mandalorian, first of all, what are you doing with your life? And second of all, spoilers ahead. So don't complain if there are any spoilers or if you haven't seen what we're about to talk about. But first, some housekeeping items. So as some of you may be familiar with, I record this while I'm at school. Um, so I borrow my school's recording equipment. I have a studio in the library at my school that I record in. It's like a soundproof room. It's really awesome. Um, so in terms of my own setup, all I'm missing is a microphone. Um, so I might look into getting one of those over the summer. And as far as the podcast goes, I really love doing this. I don't know how accurate my producer Podbean is at telling me the views rather than telling me the downloads. But if the downloads are in the 10 to 20 downloads range, I'm assuming, obviously, the views are in that range or more. Um, I might have to look into websites or apps where I can actually see how many views I'm getting versus how many downloads, because I believe downloads and views are two different metrics. Um, I hope to keep doing this over the summer. I'm trying to think what's going to be easiest because there is a library that is relatively close to my house, a lot closer than driving down to where my school is. I just don't know if they have any soundproof slash recording rooms that I could either like book or rent out. I'm going to have to do some researching. This will probably be the last podcast episode for at least, uh, well, I still might, I I will probably be able to put one out next week, actually, now that I think about it, because I'm in final season right now, but I was lucky enough that my finals window is kind of like a Saturday to Tuesday type of deal, Uh, so next Thursday I should be able to come down here and record a podcast episode, but that will be the wrap-up until I figure out what I'm doing for the summer, because I'm also going on a couple different vacations, um, and I work a lot, so it will be hard to find time to be able to record stuff, but we'll see what happens. Um, I also want to try and grow this podcast and keep growing it. I'm going to try and up the TikTok ante a little bit. Um, I also want to try and maybe look into having guests on the show because if I have a guest, then obviously they'll want to promote their side of the podcast. So, you know, it will overall bump up viewership. I would probably have to have them in person. I know there's a lot of other Star Wars accounts that I follow, um, as well as some Star Wars podcasts that I listen to via Instagram. Uh, I feel like they knew, know who they are because I've talked to them and been like, hey, what's up? It's Mar- it's the Marvel Galaxy podcast person. Here you go. Um, so it's a, it's a nice podcasting community, and I understand uh, the knowledge that I've gotten from them is it does take a little while to grow your podcast, but it's something that I'm pretty committed to and trying to at least keep going as long as I can um, because one day I'm hoping that I get that one episode or something where I like I get that boost in views, you know what I'm saying? Um, again, it's not what it's all about, but hopefully, like I say at the end or the beginning of every episode, 
the.marvelgalaxy on Instagram. Hit me up on that account. Let me know if you're interested in joining me on the show, and we can try and see how it works out. It would probably be a lot easier over the summer, even if I would have to bring someone to my school's library. Um, Some things have been going on around campus, so visitors aren't really the best idea at the moment unless you go to the school. Um, But over the summer, it would be a lot easier, especially if I find a soundproof room by my house or whatever, to kind of have other guests on or if other people want to reach out to me. And if you know of other places where I can go to record, um, I will gladly go there. Uh, I will also have you on as a guest. That will be awesome because over the summer, we don't have a ton of projects. We have Guardians of the Galaxy right away, and then we wait a little bit and we have Secret Invasions. We do have Visions um, on May the 4th that is dropping. But, I mean, last time that came out, there really isn't much dialogue, so it's more or less just, wow, this is a really cool cinematic masterpiece. But, um, yeah, so that's pretty much all the housekeeping that we have. Um, I've also adjusted some things with my setup, trying to make it a little bit better on your ears. My audio levels seem to be a lot better this time. Um, I turned down the gain on my microphone by, I think, all of it. I don't think there's any gain on it whatsoever. So that means I can yell like this. And it's barely, barely blowing out your eardrums. So I like to include my passion in all of my <laughs> reviews and such. So without further ado, let's get right in. We follow episode 23, uh, or chapter 23 rather, called The Spies. Now, this episode as a whole, I enjoyed. It was a 53-minute action-packed episode that really got all of us wondering. Uh, A lot of things in this episode, it was amazing, but it was also detrimental to the finale because this, what it did was it really gave us an insight into a lot of theories that people could have spun for the finale. We get introduced to the Shadow Council. First of all, that whole scene, like panning back to Mandalore, seeing that Moth Gideon is still alive The fact that his base is literally in the mines of Mandalore, like where their capital used to be. Seeing those badass-looking Imperial Stormtrooper Mandalorian people. Um, Those of you that watch Rebels, that's another shout-out. Because Gar Saxon and his little battalion of Imperial Mandalorians all wore that white armor. So, yet again, we see the show making a direct reference to Rebels. Now... Through that scene, we see Moff Gideon enter this giant room where he has all these maps, and he's meeting with all these hologram people. And in the holograms, we find out that they are the Shadow Council. Now, this is what I really love about Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau when they're making these episodes and they're kind of going over everything. The Shadow Council is finally being brought to canon. It's only been in the Thrawn book series that I am aware of. Um, we saw his right-hand man, I forget his name at the moment, but his right-hand man was the guy with the, the white mustache and all the hair that was like, I see your request for some, you know, wait, no, 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 sorry, wrong guy. It was when Moff Gideon was like, yeah, this Thrawn character, your, your boss, your leader, he's so amazing. And where is he exactly to help me retake Mandalore or to advance what's left of the empire? Where, where is he exactly? And he kind of just goes quiet. And then we see General Hux, his father, 
as a part of the Shadow Council. General Hux is a part of the sequel trilogy. He is the first in the First Order. He's kind of like the really annoying character, but then all of a sudden he like turns good towards the end. Um, very interesting character, but here we see his father. And as Moff Gideon's kind of going out and attacking all of the Shadow Council, he then turns to Moff Gideon and says, well, look, you asked us for help building your base. You asked for TIE bomber reinforcements. You also asked for Praetorian guards. What What is that all about? What are you so scared of? If the Mandalorians really aren't that much of a problem, why do you need Praetorian guards and more TIE bomber reinforcements? So, my initial thoughts when he said that, I was like, wait a minute, holy shit, Praetorian guards. And I was watching the show with my girlfriend, and I'm, I'm not sure if she caught on to what it was. And I was like, oh, my God, like, they are really just ripping the sequels and pulling them back. They are trying to make people love the sequels. I don't know if that will ever happen, a, like, at all. But through The Mandalorian, through them kind of sprinkling bits and pieces to the sequels, I really like it because it makes me like the sequels a little bit more. I feel as though if the sequels would have came out after the Kenobi season one and Mandalorian season three, we might have liked them a little bit more. Because instead of just being a jackass and saying, well, somehow Palpatine returned, we could make theories. Oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi sees all of these uh, dead Jedi and dead younglings frozen in amber. And then Moff Gideon says that he's been cloning people and cloning himself to try and insert midichlorians in him to bring about a clone with Jedi-like powers or with the Force. Like, tell me that wouldn't be better as a setup instead of just having a movie and having Poe Dameron be like, yeah, somehow Palpatine's back, by the way. Um, And then Palpatine being like, yeah, I'm trying to clone myself. I'm hanging on by a thread here, right? Or they even could have done it, like, teased Snoke. But then during the Last Jedi, like, during Snoke, he could have been like, well, there's more of me or something. So many other things that they could have done instead of how they did it. So, but seeing this happen is making it, oh, this makes sense now. This is, this makes sense. And it really sucks that Dave Filoni and John Favreau have to go back and do this with their own show. They have to make the sequels make a little bit more sense. But they're doing it a fantastic job, as always. Um, what I am really excited for is seeing how people react to the season as a whole. Because uh, along with the spies, during that entire episode, it was action-packed. It was what the entire season should have been. And it was titled The Spies. So after Moff Gideon meets with the Shadow Council, we get uh, turned back to Bo-Katan and Mando exploring Mandalore, um, trying to see like, you know, hey, where, who can, can we find more Mandalorians? Can we retake Mandalore? They discover this band of misfits and on their ship, they're like pirates, but they're actually part of Bo-Katan's old clan on their adventure with these newfound friends, uh, remnants of the Owl Clan, if you will, they, we find the lore from how Moff Gideon got the Darksaber in the first place. Bo-Katan was going to fight him, but he promised her that he would spare all of Mandalore if he could only have the Darksaber. 
Of course, she gave in, gave him the Darksaber, and then the Purge of Mandalore happened afterwards, and she's regretted it ever since, which makes a little bit more sense. That's character development. That's growth. Seeing that this is why she's wanted the Darksaber for so long. This is why she hated Din Djarin, why she was so happy at the end of Season 2 to kind of get back the Darksaber. And then they finally infiltrate the base. They find that they're about to reach Moff Gideon's base, wipe him out once and for all. And all of a sudden we see his fleet of Imperial Mandalorians come down and we get this epic fight scene. Um, we have Grogu in his new IG-11 costume. I, those, are, those are really funny, really cute moments when he's just pressing the button and he's just like, no, no, no. And he's breaking up those people from fighting. Um... Or when he's like, yes, 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 when Mando tells him to stop doing something. Um, it's very funny, uh, but we get a good fight scene in there. And then they all go after Mav Gideon. They are funneled into this one place. And then the heartbreak happens. Um, they close off some of the Mandalorians. Mando is left by himself. And Mando puts up a stand, but they kind of just overtake him and rip him apart. And then they bust through, and they have this kind of firefight. Moth Gideon explains his Grandmaster plan. Everyone's like, holy shit, you got all this badass armor. Um, but then they open the door, and Paz Vizsla comes in a little too late to save Mando. But then they're all standing there, and Paz Vizsla holds off. There's now a giant fleet of Imperial Mandalorians coming down to fight. And then Paz Vizsla just has a beautiful sacrifice scene. What the hell is it with people and machine guns and just needing to have a last stand? It happened in the Clone Wars with Heavy. Um, it happened multiple times in the Clone Wars, actually. Anytime someone has a giant machine gun, they just have the urge to sacrifice themselves in badass fashion. Um, he took a lot of people with him. He took a lot of people with him, and at first I thought it was going to be the numbers game. Uh, but then, no, he just destroys all of them. And... During that, it's, it's a hit or miss. It's a funny thing. Pa, uh, Bo-Katan cuts a hole, but Paz, there's no way he's fitting in the hole. Um, they all leave, and while well, Paz holds them off, and then the music cues, and the Praetorian guards just come out to some badass music. And you can see, like, Paz already lost his machine gun and overheated. He's just, he's drained because he took a lot of blaster fire. But he, ha he, like, ignites his shield, pulls his knife out of his boot, and he does a decent job, but he just gets his ass whooped by the Praetorian guards. And it was, it was good power scaling, because while Paz Vizsla is a very powerful Mandalorian, he's already drained. He's been fighting. Like, he just almost got his ass beat by a bunch of Imperial Mandalorians. And then the Praetorian guards kind of just take advantage of him, and they kill him. They give him a warrior's death. Um, I saw some theories on that where people said it would have been really cool for him to at least, like, maybe take out one of them or, like, maybe, like, severely injure one of them or maybe throw one of them over or, like, uh, you know, like, him get f flown back off the ledge but, like, I'm taking one of you with me kind of deal. Um, but the Praetorian Guards are supposed to be the most elite troopers ever in uh, or rising through the ranks of the First Order, um, and that was necessary to kind of be like, hey... They gave Kylo Ren and Rey a run for their money. They're like they're gonna just beat the shit out of Paz Vizsla, um, and that's kind of how the episode ends. And that's about it. It got a rating of nine point 
one out of ten on IMBD, which was the fourth highest rated episode of the entire Mandalorian seasons one through three. I feel like it was very deserving. But the downfall of this was Mando getting captured. Because this season as a whole, and I'll go over this in a minute, this season as a whole was really good. I liked it. But there was a lot of filler episodes, a lot of gapping, not a lot of story movement. It wasn't the best in terms of plot. So the downfall of this episode was it was titled The Spies. And people were reading very, very much into it. I saw theories that Axe Woves was the spy. I saw theories that the armorer was the spy. And people gave valid reasons as to why the, the armorer seemed off and seemed as though she was going to be a spy. People thought it could just be some random Mandalorian. And then people theorized because a really smart, smart person in the actor that plays the actual physical body of Din Djarin was like, dang, this episode is going to make people wish they didn't want more. And people were like, holy shit. They're like, no, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It was like that uh, Frank Castle, the Punisher meme. We just weren't, we didn't want anything to happen. So then theories started just spiraling. I saw from episode three how the scientist got his mind wiped. We thought that since that girl was a spy, we thought maybe Din Djarin was going to get his mind wiped and Grogu was going to be like going ape shit because Din Djarin wouldn't remember who he was. They thought he was going to get his mind wiped and then have to hunt down Grogu. They thought Grogu or Din Djarin was just going to flat out die. They thought maybe Bo-Katan was going to sacrifice herself to save them. People really thought Din Djarin, like Mando was going to die. Because they were like, well, Bo-Katan has really stepped in as like a mom figure to Grogu. It makes sense. People thought that Boba Fett was going to come back. All of these are insanely badass theories. People thought that Ahsoka was going to come save the day because her series is coming out in August. All of those theories are great. All of those theories are wonderful. But I really like what they did in the season finale. Not caving to fan service. And I feel like this is what hurt them so much. Season 2 ended with probably the greatest, greatest ending to a season. Season 2 of The Mandalorian will probably be the best Star Wars TV that we will ever get in the history of, like, ever. All right? Unless this Ahsoka show just blows the socks off of everyone. It was peak. It was peak. You had stakes. You had tension. You had a main villain. You had a badass ending scene. And then you had Luke Skywalker show up after... After they wasted him in the sequel trilogy, looking like a badass with his green lightsaber, it was actually Luke doing the voice and the movements. It was just somewhat poor CGI. It was the return of Luke Skywalker in his prime, just wiping through fields of dark troopers and the fear on Moff Gideon's face. That was an amazing ending, and they shot themselves in the foot because the only way you can top that is for, for season three of The Mandalorian, the only way that you can top that is having A, Luke come back again somehow, B, have Ahsoka come back, or C, have a third, have a different Jedi cameo that no one is expecting, or four, somehow Grogu starts like, gets a weapon and starts like whooping some ass, or like, I don't know, pull like, a Jedi comes to save them, and, like, the Jedi loses his lightsaber, but Grogu picks it up and starts... Like, that's the only way that you can top those fans' expectations. 
right? And I, and I believe most of the theories that I saw for the final episode, but this is what also saved the final episode from being complete and utter trash. It So people said as a whole, the season really lacked stakes and tension. It was just kind of like, here's a story, take it or leave it. I liked this. I liked the finale. I really, really liked it. You got a lot of Grogu content, and I'm sorry if that's, like, basic or if that's stupid or if I'm easily won over with stuff. Grogu, it's fucking, it's Yoda 2.0. Like, I want to see Grogu whoop some ass. If we're not going to get a pre-episode one TV show about Yoda in his prime, then I'm going to be all in on Grogu, like, becoming a full-blown Jedi Master and just beating ass every single week on a TV show. That's what I'm here for. Like, if they're not going to give us Yoda in his prime, then I want to watch Grogu grow up into his prime. So, yeah, I want to see him whooping some ass. I want to see him walking around, jumping around, whatever. But we get this opening scene where Mando, like, you know, escapes from everything, and he it's just him and Grogu because Grogu saves Mando, which was adorable. Um, he comes in, and they're just, like, one of the guys is choking him out, and all of a sudden you hear, no, 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 and he, like, breaks his arm, whatever. And instead of... This is what kind of got me worried. The entire episode, I was just so worried because I didn't know that the, the, all of the fan theories were going to be false. Like, I genuinely thought that someone might die. Um, and he was just looking at Grogu. And normally, he's like, all right, Grogu, like, be safe. And he looked at him. He was like, Grogu, we have to be brave. We have to end this once and for all. Me and you have to take out Moff Gideon. Right there. That's character development. That is a huge, that is one little part, but that is huge character development. Not only is uh, Mando finally learning to trust Grogu, but this is also going to be him willingly putting Grogu in the face of danger and Grogu accepting it because he wants to be with Mando and protect him rather than run away. So not only is Grogu putting behind his past and embracing that he's going to have to get into some fights, but it's also Mando growing as a character to know that Grogu is very powerful and he doesn't always need to be protected. So... Furthermore, they kind of go through this amazing scene. Um, you see Bo-Katan rallying the troops. You see Mando and R5 kind of working their way through the fortress. Um, there's a lot of filler in between there that's just like I really can't talk about. You kind of just have to go watch the damn thing yourself. Uh, and then they get to the two pivotal scenes of the entire episode, and this is where kind of shit hits the fan. On one end, you have Axe Wolves going to sacrifice himself, getting everybody out of the cruiser, and then him doing a one last stand, driving the cruiser down to Mandalore. On the other hand, you have Bo-Katan, the armorer, everyone like, for Mandalore, and they're doing this amazing jetpack scene where Bo-Katan whips out the Darksaber and is just like, finally has that stance where she's in the front, she's jetpacking, and she just whips that thing out and is just like, I have the Darksaber, I am the ruler of Mandalore, like, for my people moment. Gave me, like, this is Sparta vibes, low-key. Um, and we see that badass fight sequence. It looked like um, another one of the Siege of Mandalore where they were just all in the jetpack. It was an amazing fight scene. The armorer was whooping some ass. You got uh, the wrestler Sasha Banks, her character, like, doing blaster fire. They zoned in on her a little bit. Overall, that was an amazing scene. That was really badass, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then on the other hand, we have, like, three different angles. Um, and then, obviously, Axe jumps out and then joins the uh, joins the fight. We have Mando doing a shout-out to episode one, The Phantom Menace, with his kind of, like, hallway, like, level up. I really like that scene. 
it was really strategic, really cool. It reminded me of, like, R5 being R2-D2. Like, that's some shit that R2-D2 would do. Like, he's helping Mando. He's unlocking the gates that he tells him to unlock. And then that one little mouse droid comes by and is bugging him. And then R5 just, like, shocks him and is like, back up, bro. I'm helping out Mando. Um, and Grogu kind of just sits in the background and Mando's just going out. That is the type of action that we like to see. Now, I'm not saying that it has to be, like, action, action, action. But this season did lack kind of, like, that Mando, like, badass action. Like, I remember in season one and season two sitting there watching, like, oh, this dude's cold. Like, especially, like, the opening scene in season one where he's like, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And he just, like, beats the shit out of this guy. Like, that's what we've been missing. It feels like Mando got sidetracked and that more often than not he was just getting his ass whooped and then Bo-Katan or Grogu would, like, step in and save the day. This was finally that where Mando is just like, I'm good at hand-to-hand combat. Like, let's start fighting. And they make it to the last one, and then seeing Grogu just, like, kind of run behind him, that was very cute. Um, So then they finally make it to Moff Gideon's chamber. And Moff Gideon closes them in, opens up his blast door after Mando destroys all of the clones. And we find out that the clones that Moff Gideon was working on was just clones of himself. And then Moff Gideon says, you ruined it. I was trying to make myself. He basically said that he is like the perfect soldier, but he was missing one key element, and that was midichlorians. So he was using Grogu's blood to make clones of himself so that he could be the ultimate Mandalorian and then recreate an army of Moff Gideons, basically, that are all Force-sensitive. Now, I did watch an episode last night of uh, from Star Wars Theory, a big podcaster and YouTuber in the Star Wars community, probably the biggest, and he made a very great point that obviously if Moff Gideon achieved this, it still probably would have backfired because it takes years to learn the Force, master it, and you have to get training from a Jedi You can't or a Sith. You just can't be like, oh, I have the Force. I'm going to be amazing with it now. Um, we've seen that with Grogu. He was just terrible at it and was very scared of it, and then it took Luke two years' worth of training for him to just do what little he does now. So, they engage in a final fight scene, and it's pretty epic, but we can see since Moff Gideon has this Beskar alloy suit, he's a little bit mechanicalized, he is just kind of wiping the floor with with Din. And Din is starting to whoop some ass, and Grogu's getting in there here and there when he can. Um, And then we get really scared, because they cue the music, and out of nowhere come the Praetorian guards. And Grogu goes to help Mando, and the Praetorian guards back him down. And Mando's fighting. Moff Gideon is kind of stunned, and he's kind of back. And the Praetorian guards back Grogu into a little room. Mando tries to go help him, and that's when Moff Gideon kind of, like, fires his little whip thing, chokes him. And we just see the doors close in, and Grogu's fighting with the Praetorian guards. I lost my mind. I mean, like, me and my girlfriend were sitting there. She was more freaking out about this than I was because she loves Grogu. But, like, internally, I was like, no, no, shit, no, no, Grogu! Like, I was just, I was so scared that there's some some shit was going to happen with Grogu. I was freaking the hell out. So, we then get this pin where, like, we see Grogu, like, not really fighting the Praetorian guards. He's kind of just, like, backing, and he's, like, trying to work the machine. And they just come in, and they cut that thing down. And then Grogu hops out and starts running around on top of them. And that was really amazing. That was really amazing. I did like seeing that because it was like, oh, no, Grogu. And then he does the using what Luke taught him. So that was very amazing. Um, And then we get a flashback back to Moff Gideon kind of beating Mando's ass again. And then Bo-Katan comes in. And she's like, fires at him, holds the Darksaber, and like puts it in her pocket, starts blasting. She's like, go, go help Grogu. 
And then we see her just ignite the dark saber. Her and Moff Gideon have a really good fight. It was pretty lackluster, and I'll get in, I'll get into that in a minute. And then we pan over to Grogu like jumping around on the circle, but then they get him, and he gets pinned under some little pipes, and he's just like sitting there with his little hand, and he's like ah. And then Mando comes in and guns a blazing, um, and he starts shooting the Praetorian guards, and then uh, Grogu kind of gets up, and then we just get this really cool fight scene of them just kind of going back and forth with the Praetorian guards, and we see Grogu use his force powers which was amazing, and it shows just, like, how young he is, but he's still so strong in the Force to where he was, like, moving them, and Mando would shoot them, and then it looked like they were going to get chopped down, and Grogu just says, pause. He did that thing that Vader did to Reva and Kenobi, where he just held the the Praetorian Guard's staff with the Force, and then Mando kind of popped one. And then we see Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon kind of fighting it out, and then they all reunite, and they're just collectively... It was a great saying. She, like, Moff Gideon uses his mechanical arm to break the Darksaber, which Star Wars theory also made a great point. I was upset that they broke the Darksaber because it was nice seeing it in canon. Like, seeing it live action, sorry. But it also, I agree in the fact that it's good that they got rid of it. Because it seemed like it was so obsessive for Bo-Katan and for Mandalorians, like, well, who has the Darksaber? We're not listening to you unless you have the Darksaber. Oh, she finally has the Darksaber. Oh, Mando has the Darksaber. It's like Darksaber, this, that, and the other. It kind of sucks that we never got to see Mando wield it properly, but it also kind of makes sense. He never had training. Bo-Katan trained all of her life for this. She loved the Darksaber at one point. Like, it makes sense. Um, and then Moff Gideon's like, ah, oh, look, Mandalorians are so weak without their trinkets. And then Moff Ge- er, and then Bo-Katan is like, no, Mandalorians are stronger together. And then Bo-Katan and Grogu come out. We get this cool little Grogu, like, slides in over the fire. Um, and they just kind of start double-teaming him. We see Grogu use some force moves, which I like. This is, like, this is the character growth that people, I think, are failing to realize. Obviously, it was lackluster the entire season. But in this specific fight scene, like, Grogu used to never fight. He would always, like, back away scared. But here he is, like, sliding, force-pushing Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon was about to, like, there were a couple times where he almost got one on Grogu, but then, like, Bo-Katan would slide in and block it, or Mando would block it. And then Grogu was, like, force-pushed Moff Gideon's staff off this thing. Like, Grogu was a part of the fight. And I loved that. And then the cruiser crashes, Moff Gideon is engulfed in flames, and then Bo-Katan and Mando are shooting Grogu from the fire. I lost my shit there, because I was like, oh, like, what? Is this going to be, like, some grand sacrifice? Like, they all go down? And then they pan to a very Kanan Jarrus-esque sacrifice. Grogu uses the Force, is so concentrated, and he's creating that aura over them so that the fire can pass. I lost my shit during that part. Again, character development that we just aren't seeing. Grogu is finally embracing how strong he is in the Force, and he is saving Bo-Katan and Mando because they have saved him so many times in the past because he cares for them. You know what I'm saying? Like He's like, Grogu is like a son to Din Djarin. And it was so nice to see him just use that force power and then the cute thing he always does when he uses too much of the force afterwards when the fire passes he just kind of plops down and he's just like ah and then they pan to them reigniting the forge on mandalore and then they go to Paz Vizsla's son re-saying the creed in the actual waters of mandalore 
And then Din Djarin comes and he says, Grogu is ready to become a Mandalorian. I will adopt him as my apprentice. And he shall become a Mandalorian like me. And then the armorer says, that is wonderful, but he cannot talk. Therefore, he cannot recite the creed. Therefore, he is not a Mandalorian. I really, really thought, along with a lot of other people, that this was going to be the moment where we heard Grogu speak or he wouldn't recite the whole creed, but he would be like, you know, this is the way or something. And it did not happen. Um, Din Djarin was like, what if his parents are able to vouch for him, you know, to let him take the creed as a part of them? And she said that would be acceptable, except his parents are definitely not here. And that's when we get the moment we've all been waiting for. Mando said, I, I choose to adopt him, and he will be my apprentice, and he will take the creed. He is no longer a foundling. He is a Mandalorian. And we were like, oh, my God. Did Joran's finally an actual father? It's so cute. So cute. Because then he just looks up at him. He's like, ah. It was so great. All along that sequence, though, I thought he was going to, like, say something, whether it be, like, this is the way or, like, dad, or, like, something. I don't know. And then we get a pan to Grogu staring in the water, and he raises his hand, and then it pans to the mythosaur. And the mythosaur opens its eyes. I really, really think season four, because John Favreau said it was already written, Grogu is going to become a Mandalorian Jedi, and he is going to ride the mythosaur, damn it! He, we've seen him control creatures with the Force. They're gonna, the Mandalorians are going to do some fuck shit to just either piss off the Mythosaur or the Mythosaur is just going to sense Grogu and just rise. And Grogu is going to co- control the Mythosaur. I feel it in my bones. I'm ready for it. That's all that we have for the recap and my reactions for the end of the finale of Mandalore. The Mandalorians, same thing. But... Star Wars Theory made a great point as well. When Yoda was 100 years old, he was already training Jedi. Grogu is 52. So I think the next time that we see Grogu, in any capacity, there is a strong feeling of mine that he is going to be talking, and he is going to actually be further along to where he can use weapons, he can fight, he might be a little bit bit bigger, a little bit taller, if you will. And I'm so for that. And they end the scene with Mando on his little hut in Navarro and Grogu playing with frogs. Uh, Mando visits the New Republic, uh, Commander Tavara. And he basically is now a bounty hunter for the New Republic. He will pick and choose his battles in the Outer Rim. And we just get a happy ending, a little Looney Tunes-esque where it circles in on Mando and Grogu and then cuts to black. And I feel like for multiple reasons why people hate this finale or this type of ending is because every other season, there's no, there was always stakes. There was always like, this is the next big bad. This is what's happening next. Next, next, next. This was the first time in a while that for uh, Star Wars or Marvel that we have gotten a happy ending. It's just Mando and Grogu on their little hut on Navarro just living their life. If something happens with season four of The Mandalorian, if it gets cut, if it gets canceled, if, you know, something else happens, I would be rather okay with this being the end of The Mandalorian 
and them either doing a side Grogu show or having them both do cameos in Ahsoka or a Bo-Katan show. I feel like we might get a Bo-Katan show to where it shows her rebuilding Mandalore and like her own trials and stuff. Maybe bring back Darth Maul somehow or something along those lines. And now if we get a season four of Mandalorian, it's back to Mando and Grogu, but it's more Grogu action. So maybe instead of a Grogu sideshow, it can just be Mando and Grogu, and this is how they're, you know, this is how Grogu's going to become a Jedi or a Mandalorian Jedi, stuff like that. Um, There's a lot of of theories going into everything that was announced at Star Wars Celebration. I'll probably talk about that for my episode next week. Um, But that's a good ending to the season. I feel like the last two episodes really, really saved this season. Because before those last two episodes, I was like, this is Star Wars content. I really enjoy it. It's like a six out of ten for me right now. Six or seven. In terms of, like, the overall, like... Because every time I watch it, after every episode I watch, I'm like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, this is amazing. I love it. And then after a couple days, I kind of detox, and I'm like, okay, I see the flaws. I, you know, read reviews on social media, and people make sense. And I'm like, okay, this wasn't as amazing as I thought it was. But these last two episodes really helped either solidify the 7 out of 10 or bump it up to like an 8, 8.5 because that like the action was awesome. I'm probably going to rewatch the last episode at some point um, just to kind of really take it in and everything and like rewatch it and try to pick out key things. But now we can kind of get in for the last parts of this episode, the kind of reasoning why people hated this season and didn't really love the ending so much. So I have a thread pulled up from Instagram. I will just refer to them as users one, two, and three um, in terms of their reviews on the, the show itself. User one says, uh, the post itself was like, how do you feel about the finale? This person says, absolutely enjoyed. No spoilers, but I cannot see how many, I cannot see how so many people can feel that this season was quote unquote directionless since the first episode, Din and really the entire Mandalorians have been trying to atone from their past, learning that infighting and prejudices among them led to their downfall. Everyone has their own opinions, but it is a pretty solid season overall. Makes a great point, but I will read the other two comments and kind of bundle together how all of this makes sense. User 2 replies, Episode 3 was pointless. Episode 6 was almost pointless. Same with Episode 4. That is three episodes that could have easily learned more about Grogu or actually see something with the Mythosaur. Or we could have saw Din training Grogu how to become a Mandalorian or possibly some more Jedi training. User 3 replies, Too many filler episodes. If you only have eight episodes of an average runtime of 40 minutes, then three to four fillers are by far too much. Also, some bad writing made some episodes boring and cringe. Look at episodes three and six mostly. I agree with all of the above. All of the above. I do not think this season overall deserves the amount of hate that it's getting, but at the same time, I totally agree. Disney, if you're going to give us episodes that are 30 to 40 minutes long, you cannot make them a filler episode. The Bad Batch had like four or five filler episodes because A, they have 16 episodes, and B, because every episode is the same amount of time. But when you go for chapter three was really what pissed me off the most. Because now seeing that those two characters had no no repercussions for this entire series whatsoever. You could have shrunk that down to 10, 15 minutes of one episode and given us more of what this guy is talking about. 
Because now we have to wait a whole nother season to finally get to see some more Grogu Mando content and some more training and some more interactions with the Mythosaur. They did that too much within this show. To whereas we saw the Mythosaur, but it took an episode or two for Bo-Katan to talk about it, and then we never saw it again until the finale. We have the, the person introducing brainwashing, never use it again. They spent 59 minutes doing that entirely meaningless plot point. It could have been wrapped up in 20 minutes. You know what? Shit, I will give it to you. Make it 20 minutes of a 59-minute episode. Make the rest of it Din trading Grogu, exploring the Mythosaur, making them go on a different adventure. Shit, episode, what was it? What did he mention? Episode four, I believe, was when they that stupid bird abducted Paz Vizsla's kid. I would have rather taken three and four, combine it into one giant pointless episode, kind of, because episode four was pointless because it was so short. I would have combined those two and then make it like an actual other episode to where we could continue the same level that... We were had these past two episodes of the action, the tension, the stakes. Now, I'm not saying every single episode of Mandalorian has to have a major character die or have like, oh, someone got kidnapped. These are the stakes. But the stakes need to be a little bit higher than they were in the past. Episode six was pointless, but people are calling it pointless for all the wrong reasons. Lizzo got an absurd amount of hate for actually being in a Star Wars episode. I have no problem with her being in it. Like, it was just three stupid celebrity cameos in an episode. The episode was pointless, yes, but, like, people are attacking it for the wrong reasons. It was just a pointless episode. It gave a little bit of depth for Mando and Bo-Katan, but who gives a shit that Lizzo and Jack Black were in it? I quite liked them being in it. I, I just think attacking Lizzo is really stupid. And Like, come on, guys. Like, you're better than this. Um, but I do agree with both of the facts that there was just there was too much filler. There was too much filler. Um, for us to gather a sense of what the hell was going on in this season. So I do, I do agree that it would have been amazing to see like that hour long episode be like a giant training montage or like, like I said, combine episodes three and four and then like bump all the episodes down one and then like have the spies have the finale, and then have, like, the episode after the finale, maybe be, like, a setup for the Ahsoka, or vice versa, like, have some training before the, um, the finale, and we get to see, like, Grogu use some weapons or something. Um, Star Wars Theory also made a great point in saying he really wishes that Grogu would have stayed with Luke or gotten Yoda's lightsaber. I f that was such, that was such a tease when he, Luke was like, here's Yoda's lightsaber. And we were all like, Holy shit. Like a Cartman moment. And then they just never, never bring up Yoda's lightsaber again. I do feel, though, Grogu will get to use Yoda's lightsaber at some point if he is to get a lightsaber. Uh, I feel like Ahsoka, Luke, like those paths are not done crossing. Um, another disappointing thing about the finale was that there was no setup to Thrawn and Ahsoka. I kind of like it. I kind of like it, but they could have done it in a way. So that's a double-edged sword, really, because you end Rebels where, spoilers ahead, you end Rebels where Thrawn and Ezra are just in the world between worlds, right? They got taken by the Pergils into hyperspace. I believe they're stuck in the world between worlds. So Thrawn has technically not been found yet. So the entire point of the Ahsoka show is going to find Thrawn or somehow Thrawn makes it out of the world between worlds and they meet back up with Ezra whatever. 
But if they would have shown Thrawn, it would have kind of thrown off the ending of Rebels, but it also would have been like, oh, cool, Thrawn's back. This is the reveal. It's setting up Ahsoka. Fuck yeah. Like, they could have done it where it's like Thrawn was attacking Navarro or something. I don't know. Uh, But I also like they kind of just kept it the way that it was. Um, overall, I'd probably score the season about an 8 out of 10. Those last two episodes really saved it. But I get why people are pissed off. I get why people are like, dude, what the hell are you even talking about? Like, this was so directionless. This was pointless. Those are the two big words that are being thrown around. Because we saw some character regression because Mando went back to hating droids. Um, they did the whole shit with IG-11 to where they were like so concerned with getting him back. Um, that also felt like dumb fan service because it kind of makes his sacrifice a little meaningless. Um, that's about it for, for that. Um, overall, though, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I don't know if I would go back and rewatch every episode. I'm definitely disappointed with some episodes. Like, episode three is just the biggest, like, F you to the fans because we, we crave, we literally beg Disney, beg them to make these Star Wars shows into, like, hour-long episodes. You know, like, I watch a dating show on Netflix, and those episodes are an hour long. I have no problem sitting through that. But for whatever reason, Disney is like, eh, we'll give you, like, 35 minutes, all right? We give you 35 minutes, plus credits. So take it or leave it. And that just, that hour, that will probably be go down as the worst episode in all of Star Wars right now. Because it was just an hour of wasting everyone's time. Like, I don't give a shit about either of those characters. That dude's mind got wiped. Like, that did nothing for world building. Um, Leave that meaningless shit to Andor. Like, leave it for that. Andor is where the story gets built, where you get attached to the characters, where there's less action, more plot, story building, character progression, and all that jazz. Um, But overall, it's... All the feelings I really have for The Mandalorian. I would love to hear your guys' feedback on The Mandalorian. Again, hit me up on the Marvel Galaxy Instagram. Follow my TikTok. It's my first name and my last name. Evan and then Cornick, spelled K-O-R-M-I-C-K. Follow my TikTok. I post some updates about the Marvel Galaxy podcast. Interact on those videos if you're more on TikTok than you are on Instagram. Um, I'm going to keep trying to grow the channel as much as I can. Um, again, sorry for no episode last week. I was sick. That is why this episode is a lot longer than it normally is. Uh, but that's a-okay. What do we got going on next week? Next week's episode for next Thursday, you can expect me wrapping up what happened at Star Wars Celebration. My reaction to a lot of the things that are coming out for the Star Wars side of things, as well as celebrating the... 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Might go over some Lego sets because that is another hobby of mine and that is Star Wars related. Um, I'll also talk about a couple other things Star Wars related, but we will also not leave out Marvel. We have a couple trailers that got released for them as well as confirmation on some theories and some rumors going around about some actors that may be leaving and joining the MCU. All that and more on next week's episode of the Marvel Galaxy.